Welcome to the podcast. My name is Doug O'Brien, and this is the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about tolerations. When you do coaching with people, find out what they're tolerating, find out what their top 20 tolerations are, deal with those, and you're making huge progress. We'll talk all about it today on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. So welcome back to the podcast. Yes, tolerations. I learned this from Thomas Leonard many years ago. Thomas Leonard, as you probably have heard me say before, maybe you know this and share this view, um, basically invented the, the field of coaching. So if you don't know his name, check it out. You know, get one of his books or et cetera. He, he, he created Coachville University, Coachville, and um, Coach University, Coach U, I guess, and, and a variety of other things. One of the things he created were the, a variety of different processes or principles like the clean sweep process an example i've talked about that one before um great sort of systematic way of looking at 100 different areas of your life in four major categories it's a great little quiz or you know process to give to your clients when you first start off gives them different things to look at because some people can be doing great in business and their their career not doing so well with the relationships. I might be doing great with relationships, but not doing so well with money. You know, so there's different categories that you want to do this assessment in. It's really good. This is, in addition to that, whenever I start a new coaching relationship with someone, <clears throat> I ask them a variety of things. I ask them, what are their goals? What are the 90-day goals, things that they want to accomplish? What are their longer-term goals? I ask them to assess what other people think they should be working on. <laughs> like, what does your spouse think you should be working on or business partners think you should be working on? Find out from them as well. I find out I'd have them do this clean sweep process, as I mentioned, but I also ask them to make a list of the top 20 tolerations, the things that they're tolerating in life. And I'm gonna be talking to you today because this is something that you can do too. Very often we, tolerate stuff. We were taught to. When you were a child, you didn't tolerate nothing. When, when you were an infant, you didn't tolerate anything, right? You got a little hungry, you went, Wah! you got a little thirsty, you was like, Wah! you know, you got a little wet in your diapers, Wah! you know, you let, let it be known. Something's not right here. <laughs> Something may be very small, but it's not right. And I'm going to let it be known. As time went on, we were taught, and you learned, better shut up about that, you know, keep quiet. If you want to succeed, you better just play along, be nice, don't make waves, right? Uh, we, we were taught this in no uncertain terms along the way. And it's been useful, it's been useful. But somewhere along the line, when we're tolerating too many things, too you know, automatically tolerating things, we start to like lose our edge a bit. And uh, I think it's in Thomas Leonard's book, 
Oh, golly, I should know this before I start talking. You wrote a book about um, making yourself attractive, you know, how to attract good things to your life. Thomas Leonard's coaching handbook, The Automatic Coach or something like that. I should I should know the title. I'm sorry. Um, pretty sure he's got a whole chapter devoted to it in there. And he talks about how we tolerate too much. And if we want to stop, in a sense, not attracting, we want to attract more things to us, then we need to stop being so tolerant of things that aren't quite right. We need to get what we want and and do it. Um, not to be intolerant of other people or intolerant of things. That's a different story. But what I'm talking about is like, for instance, very often people make this list of 20 tolerations, um, things that they're tolerating. Things that'll show up in the list are things like, um, I just, I, I, I have this pile of papers on my desk that I just, it's been there for, you know, 20 years. <laughs> so it, it changes, but it's still a pile on the desk. Or, or they're tolerating that um, they're just not in the most satisfying relationship. Or they're tolerating that, um, you know, their their kids don't work as hard as they need to in school or any number of things, any number of things that are there. And if you make a list of them, what's a wonderful process to do, and I really highly recommend you, if you've never done this before, do this. Do this today. Sit down and say, what are the 20 things that I'm tolerating? There may be more maybe 50 things that you're tolerating if you really stop to ask yourself that question. So write down 50, but at least 20, because I guarantee you there are at least 20 things that you're tolerating. Um, I, I mentioned the pile of papers. I'm not going to show you my desk. because I've got, I've got a pile of papers. Maybe that's why it came to mind first, because I have a pile of papers on my desk right here. It's mostly neat and I know what's there, but it's still a pile of papers and I could organize them better. I do have a filing cabinet right there. It could be filed away, right? So those are little things that if we get rid of those little things, things work better. There's a story I think I might have told you in a previous podcast about um, the Rainmaker. It's an interesting old story. I think it comes from China, although I could be wrong about that. When I was told it, it was in that guise, it could be any number of places, but the way I was told the story was that it was a Taoist, Chinese Taoist story, and that it had to do with a rainmaker. There was a village who was experiencing a, a drought, terrible drought. And so they sent away for this, this legendary rainmaker person to come to their village. And this was, of course, a long time ago, so there was no mass communication. So it took a long time for the word to get to this man um, that he was to come to this village and it took him longer, of course, to do it. He had other things to do, but eventually he did arrive at this village and they were very, very excited to have him there. And they said, okay, what do you need? Do you need any dancing girls? Do you need any bonfires? Do you need any drummers? I mean, what do you, do you need to make a sacrifice of anything? He said, no, actually, thank you. Um, your town is so out of touch with the Tao, which is the right way of living. That's what it stands for. It's, it's, it's being connected with nature, etc. So you're, you are so out of touch with the right way of living with the Tao that I don't even want to be in your village. No offense or anything, but I, I just need a cottage 
on the outskirts somewhere that I could just call home for a little while. That's all I really need. And they said, okay, great. So they set him up in this little cottage, probably about the size of this house. Here's my ceiling right there. Um, but they set him up and, you know, the first day he woke up with the sun, he got up and he swept the walk. He gathered wood for his fire. He made a fire, made tea, had tea, had lunch at lunchtime, dinner at dinner time, went to sleep with the sun. I'm sure I'm leaving out some details, but you get the idea. He woke again the next day with the sun, swept the walk, gathered wood for the tea, made his fire, made his tea, had tea at breakfast, uh, lunch at lunchtime, dinner at dinner time, went to sleep with the sun. Third day, got up with the sun, swept the walk, gathered wood for the fire, made his tea, had lunch at lunchtime, dinner at dinner time, went to bed with the sun. And on the fourth day, it rained. Which is to say, he got into the flow. The rain in this case represents flow, the flow of life, the flow of things being attracted to you. You know, one of the ideas that was presented to me many, many years ago about um, how we should tithe, you know, give 10% of our income to a charitable work of one kind or another, that you should give back 10%. That idea of creating flow, that you're not like, oh, God, I need to hold on to this money. The idea of attracting and having that flow happen is that it will flow if you let it go as well. That flow has to come in and go out at the same time. So having that regularly occurring tithing is just a creating a flow situation. I don't know for sure that's 100% true, but it's the idea. And so this idea of getting in flow, the Tao, is what this Rainmaker story is about, that we got things all your ducks in a row and flow happened. So the rain represents flow. So I think when we get all our ducks in a row, when we stop tolerating this stuff, when we say, okay, I see something that needs to get done, let me go do it. You know, I'm going to go. Now you, you do it when you think of it, you, you make it happen. So here's the process that you can do for yourself. I highly recommend that you do. And you can have your clients do as well. By the way, it's great to have not an agenda per se, that you put all of your clients through the same sort of process. Some people, times people, when I start a coaching process with them, they say, well, how, how long is this, is this process? How, how long does it take? And I go like, what do you mean? <laughs> For what? Because I don't have that. I don't have a sort of start here, go here, do that, end up, done. You know, it's not like that. It's coaching process is different for everyone. And it's good to have things in your arsenal as a coach to help. You know, these the, the clean sweep assessment, as an example. Um, finding out these tolerations, as another example. It's a great thing to do for pretty much any of your clients because everybody has tolerations. You do. I do. We all do. So find out what they are. Step number one is just to write them down. Write them down. Then you might ask yourself, you know, what's the benefit? I must be getting some benefit from having these here. So it's it's not necessarily the most important step to find out what the benefit is, but sometimes it's really useful to to ask yourself that question. Why am I why am I doing this? Why is this paper here so much? Why is you know, find out what is the benefit that you're getting from having this 
thing that you've been tolerating for so long. Must be some reason it's still there, that it's still in your life, that it's something you've just been tolerating. Then step number three is to think of what you will benefit, how you will benefit from stopping to tolerate that thing, you know, to be toleration free, to eliminate that thing or whatever it might be. And then step number four is just to simply make a list of, take the, take the list and put it in order of what you're going to do first. Just what's number one, what's number two, what's number three. Just, you know, if it's not already in that order, it'd be okay if you just did it randomly. If, you know, whatever's on top, do that first, that's fine. But you can also decide which is the most important thing to stop tolerating now. And to make a strong commitment to your, to yourself, you know, a strong personal commitment that you're going to stick with it, that you're going to actually stick with this thing and show it that, um, you know, sh show at the door, you know, get her done, get it done so that it's no longer a thing that you'll no longer have, you know, papers that need to be, you know, ceased to be tolerated every few weeks or months or whatever, that it's just, you have a process, you have a situation, you have a, um, a, a strategy for taking care of that. One of the things you can do just as an example for papers, and I, I'm really quite good about this actually, is that when mail comes in, you should have a place for the things that you want to keep, you know, and so the, you handle the mail once, handle the mail once. So instead of saying, okay, this bill goes, I don't know, I'll put it here for now and I'll pay these bills someday. And it's like you handle it once. So this bill comes in, it's okay, I've got it, I'm handling it, pay it, file it. If it's junk mail, put it away. If it's something that you want to attend to later, it's like, well, make sure you know where it is exactly and when it's going to be exactly done. You know, if it's an invitation that you respond to later on, you know, maybe right now is not the best place, but you're going to have a strategy for doing it. Handle mail once. That's a great thing to do. And that is something, like I say, I'm pretty good at. But for the other tolerations that are on your list, you know, it's really important to, to say, what it is first and when I'm going to do it, and then make a strong commitment to yourself, perhaps to the universe, that you'll make that happen. You will get it done. Go through your list, step by step, toleration by toleration. Now, I did mention to you before that there's a difference between being intolerant and having no tolerations. Right. So for me, when I think about being I'm an intolerant person, I just would think that that's somebody who just can't stand, can't abide somebody else's stuff. Right. I can't abide how my wife, you know, I told you not to put papers on my desk, you know, you know, that, that it's I'm intolerant of other people's actions um, or, or other people entirely. I'm just an intolerant of those people. I'm not talking about that. Not talking about that. I'm talking about for ourselves, holding ourselves to a standard of saying, "I'm going to do this." Um, I, as an example, decided to to get up every morning at six o'clock. I just was becoming too, let's say, lazy, but too loose about that. So I don't see that light over there, that one right there. But I, I think it's set up still. This is my winter wake up time. I, I do best at playing with the sunshine, of waking up with the sun. I tried a variety of different um, 
a variety of different alarm clocks and things that would you know have a simulated sunrise because I thought that was pretty cool. I just got a new phone, so I'm not just finding the app right here right now. But that is a it's a LED Wi-Fi butt bulb. It's a Wi-Fi bulb. Um, and if I can find it real quick, I will demonstrate it for you. I don't know why I'm not seeing it. I just, obviously, I've been tolerating getting to know my new phone too much. Haven't need to do it to do it yet because the sun is still coming up at a reason, reasonable hour for me to be up by six. Um, but in the dead of winter, what happens is that I set that thing. I'm not even finding the app at all. I set that thing for 6 a.m. Um, actually, yeah, set it for 6, which means to say it starts, it comes on about 5.30, very, very dimly, very, very dimly, and then gradually for a half an hour, gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. You can find alarm clocks like this. They're very expensive, I found for me. The ones, the good ones that I wanted to have were like too much money for what I was getting. Um, and they would also have an alarm at some time. So when it got to be six, they'd also start chirping or, or beeping or whatever you set it for. Those are good too. But all I need is that light to come on. And usually somewhere around quarter to six, I'm already awake. You know, so by six o'clock, I'm getting out of bed. I would also just like to say this about getting out of bed in the morning. I used to work for uh, Tony Robbins. You probably have heard that name if you don't know him uh, directly. Um, he also was talking about how you should jump out of bed in the morning full of energy, like, yes, life is good. I don't do that. If you want to do that, please <laughs> feel free to do that. It'd be great. If you do that, good for you. That's wonderful. I get out of bed. That's, that's a big accomplishment for me. I used to be a rock and roll musician. So, you know, nighttime nighttime didn't start till 11 or 12 o'clock at night, you know, and then I'd go out and play in bands and stuff like that or, or just listen to other bands. Um, it was my lifestyle. Being up late was just what I did. And getting up at 6 o'clock was like up at 6. I go to bed at 6. You know, so for me to now be getting up at 6 in the morning is a big change. So I... I think I can forgive myself to not jump out of bed and be all excited. I quietly get out of bed and have a cup of tea and read a book and do some yoga or whatever. And then I'll go for a jog somewhere around six or seven, somewhere in a period of time. You know, so those are, those are things I do on a regular basis. When you get into that flow, like our Rainmaker story, things work better for you. I know they do for me. I know they do for me. And this tolerations thing is a huge way for doing it for you. Now, what I would like to suggest is you write down the 20, you go through them, you do this process, these steps I mentioned, and then do it again. Go through them again, because the papers may start piling up. Just go through the whole thing again. Figure out what the strategies are so that these things that you've been tolerating, you no longer have to. It's not even going to be put into that position anymore. The tolerations are something that you just put behind you. It's a great process for yourself. It's a great process for you to teach to your clients. I will say this also one more thing. Those of you who've been watching or listening to this podcast for the year or two or so that I've been having this um, probably have noticed that I have quite a few of uh, NLP related topics and things. And that's really true. I think some 
NLP stuff, the meta model as an example, are essential NLP skills. I think you really need to know how to ask those good questions. I think it's really incredibly important, if not essential, that you know how to do the meta model if you're going to do coaching at all. So NLP, yeah, big. And it's not everything that I know, not everything that I do, did I learn from NLP. Thomas Leonard was a huge influence on me. I don't know if I told you that story, but I met Thomas at a conference that I was teaching at, uh, speaking at. He was also speaking. I had never heard of coaching. When he talked about it, that was kind of silly. But, you know, talking to him privately for the brief moments or so that I did in the green room, he seemed like an amazingly good guy. I loved his talk. I loved what he was talking about. So I said, sure, I'll check this out. And I just kind of on a whim, kind of, signed up for his uh, coaching one, two, three program. And it was done in what we might call it online at those days. It's 1993, I think. I had a computer, I think. I had a laptop. I mean, I had a desktop here. There was no internet to speak of, maybe some people, but none that I was using. So it was on the phone. It was all telephone, literally telephone calls. So these group telephone calls that Thomas would would handle. And um, so I got my coaching certification through Thomas back on the phone (laughs) those days. But he was amazing. Thomas Leonard, amazing. And the contributions he made to the field, I mean, I, I give him credit, and I believe he deserves credit for literally inventing the field of coaching. If you are a coach, you own some, a debt of gratitude there because he did invent the field. Um, and some of these processes that I learned from him, I still use. And they're really, really good. They're really, really good. The clean sweep among them and certainly these tolerations. Very simple. Ask, what are you tolerating? List 20. Find out why they're there. See if you can find a reason around that why you have them so you can satisfy the need that you get for them in a different way find out how much benefit you'll have from eliminating those tolerations, write that down, but very clear on why you want to get rid of these things, then make it just a strategic step-by-step, this one, this one, this one, one at a time, change them. Go through all 20, do it again, do the process again. Maybe there's new tolerations, maybe you're just finding some of them weren't quite solidified yet. Um, However it is that you do it, go through the list again, just make sure all this 20 are done. And then, yeah, periodically, every quarter, let's just say, go through the tolerations. Again, I regularly go through the tolerations. I regularly go through the clean sweep. I will tell you this about the clean sweep. I, it, it's a it's, it's hundred different things. Thomas did this back in the 90s, 1990s. There are some things on there that I <laughs> just, you know, getting an AIDS test. I, I got an AIDS test back in the 90s. Okay, checked it off the list. Uh, yeah, I don't think you need necessarily to worry about that one in 2000, whatever year this is for you listening to this. And nevertheless, going through the process itself helps you to recognize that there are things that, you know, I might be great in this aspect of my life, but this aspect could use some work. And so we make ourselves to the best version of us we can possibly be, the better we are more congruent we are as a coach living our dreams the way we want our lives to be, the more it's going to attract people to us. And so our coaching business really begins to thrive because of that. Plus these processes are things that we can do 
for our clients, with our clients to help them, you know, create that same sort of congruence with their lives. And that's why you're in business. And that's why your business will thrive and they'll be very happy customers referring other people to you. So thank you again for being here for this Essential Coaching Skills podcast. And I hope that you find more information if you're looking for it at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Hope to see you real soon. Thank you. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.